So today we're going we're gonna to have a, a really, I hope, fun time looking at a couple different stories and a couple different um, parts of resurrection that we may not have thought about before. So today is called You Said It, You Do It. You Said It, You Do It. And the, and the first verse that we're going to read is uh, 2 Chronicles 16, 9. And as we get ready to dive into God's word and learn about resurrection and new life, uh, let's pray. So, Father, we pray in Jesus' name, his living and glorious life. We, we want you to speak to our hearts right now, encourage us, and give us um, the same life and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus, we want that in our own hearts and lives because we uh, need you very much. We need that new life. Uh, we cannot produce new life on our own. We need resurrection life uh, for us. We need to even understand what that means. So I pray for all the little kids in here today that they would have a fun time and remember how wonderful and good you are to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This verse says, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro. They run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those who, whose hearts are loyal toward him. I want you to picture that. Picture God going around the whole world searching and looking for people all throughout time. God has been on this mission. He's looking for people that he can rescue, people he can deliver, people he can send life into. You know, people who are lost, people who are weak, and people who are dead. Those are the people that God is looking for. And if any man, woman, or boy or girl, if any of those people would simply allow God to be God, he, they can be the person that God's eyes rest upon. So just let God be God. Let God be the hero of the story. Let God be the Savior. That's what this verse is telling us. And it says he's looking for people whose hearts are loyal to him. And that, what does that mean? That means a heart that says, you said it, you do it, God. I'm loyal to you. I, I depend on you. And we would call this heart that simply trusts in God alone, we call that faith. You guys ever heard about faith before? Of course. <laughs> you said it, you do it. That's a great way to think about faith. And faith always results in new life. New life. When Jesus died on the cross, he died with faith. So what was going to be the end of that story? New life life. It must be the end because this is the way God does things. So I want to look right now at a little girl. How many little girls do we have in here? Little girls, raise your hand. You're a little girl. You're a little girl. Well, maybe. <laughs> We're going to look at a little girl who's no older than like 14 or 15 maybe, and, and she is going to show us what simple faith looks like. How old are you? Oh, see, too old. Just kidding. <laughs> so this little girl is going to show us what simple faith looks like. She's going to say, you said it, you do it. And this little girl we're going to look at is Mary, Mary. And so in Luke chapter 1, verse 30, this angel appears to Mary 
big scary angel full of brightness and he said he said to her do not be afraid why would he say that because she's probably scared right a big angel shows up she's a little bit scared so he says don't be afraid mary you have found favor with god well when did mary find favor with god remember god's eyes are going to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for whoever he could show himself to be the hero, show himself to be God. He was searching for someone who would simply trust him. So what does the angel say to Mary? He says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and she'll call his name Jesus, and he will be great. And he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Wow. That is a big promise. It is a crazy, huge, amazing promise. And she was going to play us part in the story of how God is going to save the world. That's what's going on. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be seeing that I don't know a man? She wasn't married. She was only, she was really young, right? This little girl only had one simple question. And her question was, how? How is this going to happen? What did she not say? I don't believe this. You're crazy, angel. God wouldn't choose me. She didn't doubt like that. She had simple faith. Everything God said, Mary believed it. But she did want to know how. So she said, how is this going to happen? How is it practically going to work? And what was the angel's answer? Does anybody know? 22 Jesus points up for grabs. What what does the angel say here? What? The Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, Mary, and you're going to somehow magically get pregnant. This is, we don't always understand how that worked, but the answer was the Holy Spirit. And you know what? That's always the same answer. When we ask, how is God's will going to come to pass in my life? If you want to have simple faith and you want to know how is this going to work, the answer is always the Holy Spirit is going to make it work in your life. How am I good? God promises that I'll, he'll, he'll help me find a job. He'll take care of my family. If I love him, honor him, and trust him with simple faith, he will provide for me and my family. How is that going to work? It's always the same answer. The Holy Spirit. God will do it by the Holy Spirit. If, I, if I'm going to trust God, I'm going to have to set aside some things that I really love. How am I going to be happy in that situation? The Holy Spirit, he will meet you, he will come upon you, and he will take care of whatever the issue is, the Holy Spirit. The text actually says, then the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. So the answer to Mary's question is very simple. God will do it. It's his promise. It's his power. He himself will do all that is needed to make this happen. God himself will bring new life into the world through you, Mary. New life. Even though, Mary, you're not going to do the things necessary to make this life, God is going to do it 
for you. And he goes on, he says, Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born to you will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, here he's going to encourage Mary by showing her a story, telling her about her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing is what? Impossible. impossible. Nothing is impossible. And all he's asking from us is simple faith. Then Mary said, Okay, behold your maidservant. Let it be to me according to your word, which is, you said it, you do it, God. That's what simple faith looks like. Then the angel departed from her. The, the lesson for Mary is very simple. Nothing is impossible for God, but she already believes that, right? She already believed that. And that's why God chose her. Because God was looking throughout the whole earth and his eyes found a girl and he said, look at this, look at this girl. This girl, trust me, simply. This girl, even though she's really young, she trusts me. And God was like, look what I found. I have found the perfect vessel to bring the new life of my son into the world. And that's how that worked. You said it, you do it. That's what she said. You said it, you do it. This young girl had learned to live like God was able to do everything and that he would do everything, that he was able and he was faithful. Those were just two easy things for her to believe. And God had been watching and he found this, he found this simple faith and Mary wasn't shocked because she expected God to do this. She wasn't surprised or shocked at what the angel said. She's like, oh, the Holy Spirit, okay, great. Um, why is it that I always seem to expect God to fail? Anyone with me in that boat? I just seem to doubt that God, I, I believe God can do anything. That's not hard to believe but I, I seem to struggle believing that God will come through for me and God will not fail me. That is where I struggle. And I think God, I, a lot of times I don't even have enough faith to ask God how, like she did. A lot of times I just don't even want to talk to God. When he makes a promise to me, when he says he calls me to do something, I, I sometimes don't even get to that place where I'm like, well, how would this happen? Because the how answer is really easy, the Holy Spirit. But I struggled to just believe at the very beginning that God will do it. You said it, you do it. That's what simple faith looks like. And that's what God is calling us to today. So many days, my spiritual life looks dead. Anyone else experience that? Man, because my simple faith is dead. Dead, dead, dead. It's a wonderful thing that we serve a God who is in the business of taking things that are dead and making them... That's right. So many times I get stuck on the how my salvation is going to happen, and the answer is always God. God will do it. The Holy Spirit will do it. 
And if I would simply bow myself out and bow him in, I would walk in the new life of simple faith. But I don't like to do that because I like me. And I think I'm quite capable at doing stuff. And so for me to bow out and say, I can't, I'm done. And to bow God in, say, here you go, please take over. It's really hard. So now we're going to look at a different story. Back in the Old Testament, turn to 1 Samuel 16, or we'll have the the verses up on the screen for you. And we're going to look at a little, not a little girl, but a little boy. And we have many little boys in here today. So boys, raise your hands. You're not little? Okay. Still raise your hand. (laughs) All right. So boys, this is the story about you. And we're going to look at this little boy, roughly the same age as Mary. Remarkably enough, just a little guy, you know, not not an adult, not strong. Uh, And this little boy is going to be a lesson to us also about simple faith. And this little boy obviously is who? David, right? David, the little boy. And uh, the life of David is recorded for us in the Bible so that we can learn how to humble ourselves and simply trust God, right, with simple faith. That's what his life shows us. And, and one of the first stories about David that we know of when he was very, very small, smaller than even where we're at here, is that David killed a lion and David killed a bear with his bare hands. In fact, it said he grabbed them by the beard and struck them, which is so epic, He's like, ah, just awesome. What did we learn in the beginning? God's eyes were going to and fro throughout the whole world, and he saw a little boy who was the youngest of eight brothers, right? And he saw in this little boy, this neglected, unloved little boy, God saw simple faith. And as God looked at David, and he saw David, and this bear came, and David looked at the bear, and he said, that's a big bear. And these are my sheep, and my job is to protect these sheep, and that's a big bear. But then David did something else. David looked up at God and said, that's a big God. That's a big God. And I trust in that God. And you know what happened when David looked back down at the bear? The bear didn't look nearly as big, did he? That bear looked much smaller, and David went right up to that bear and knocked his block off. Just so epic. And then he did it again, only this time with a lion. David, as a little child, had simple faith, and God found this little child because God can see into hearts, and he said, I have found myself a king. Look at this child. I have found a king. Fellas, come around. Go get Samuel. Angels, we got we to gotta take care of some business because Saul is a big goober and uh, we're going to get rid of him. And he, he anointed David. So let's look at chapter 16, this story in David's life. God's eyes were going to and fro. He saw David. And, uh, and let's see. For, let's look at verse 7, 16. And the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him, talking about David's older brothers, and he went on through the list. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for the man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the what? At the heart. Where are God's eyes going to and fro throughout the whole world? Are they looking for the guy who's working out and pumping iron? No, he's looking for 
a heart, I'm sorry to diss weightlifting, didn't mean to, <laughs> just kidding, um, he's looking at the heart that would have simple faith, a heart that says, you said it, you do it, I'm yours. The Lord is looking. He's still looking. In fact, the Lord is looking around in this room today, and he's like, what, what do I see in these hearts? Do I see a heart that would simply trust me? I think he does, but I don't know, because I can only see the outward. I'm not God. In chapter 17, verse 4, we know the next part of the story is that David goes to the battlefield, and he sees Goliath, and it says, A champion went out from the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose heights was six cubits and a span. We know Goliath, a big, huge, hulking enemy. There's no way to defeat him. There's no way to make him go away, right? Big, 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 big. Then verse 10. The Philistine said, this Goliath guy, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Wow. Saul and Israel were supposed to be looking at God. But where were they looking? At Goliath, this big, big, big man. And they thought they were grasshoppers in his sight. They thought they were so. They thought he was so big. They were supposed to be enjoying life in the promised land. God gave them this land. The Philistines were their enemies, and God was supposed to be defeating them all the time. But the these Israelites are afraid of dying. They're afraid of death. So they so they were as good as dead because they were afraid of death, because their eyes are on Goliath, because they didn't have simple faith in God. Their whole life looked like death. They're afraid of death. They're, 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 they're experiencing death, all because they're not keeping their eyes and their faith simply on God. Is Goliath a big problem for God? Verse 26, David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what is going to be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away this reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? What is David saying? Guys, this guy is not big. And they're like, oh, that's cute. It's a little boy, not scared of death. And oh, he's just got this crazy childlike faith. Oh, silly David. But David thinks he's not that big because where is David looking? At God. That's right. He wasn't that big after David's looking at God. He, 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 met, he spent time with God. The living God, he calls him. And the people had not learned the lesson of the lion and the bear like David did. David knew beyond any shadow of a doubt, God is faithful and I will simply trust him. And so David said to Saul, let not man's heart fail because of this goober giant. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. And so Saul said to David, you're not able to go against the Philistine and fight with him for you're just a a youth. You're just a little kid. He's a man of war from his youth. 
But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep the father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took the lamb out of the flock, I went after it and I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and I struck it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he defies the armies of the living God. Yeah. Go David, right? David is full of faith. He's saying, God said it, God will do it. You said it, you do it. God is not afraid of dying, or David is not afraid of dying. Do you see that? How many of you are afraid of dying? Don't be. We don't have to be. Thanks for your honesty, Jake. <laughs> he, David, is not afraid of dying because David is too busy living. He's too busy alive because that's what simple faith puts in us. Life. Life. My life is so boring and, and I don't like my life and there's nothing exciting in my life. What? <laughs> What is that? Okay. <laughs> that was the best slam <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. Whew, that was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Well, simple faith, bro. We'll fix that. Simple faith. Out of the mouths of babes. I'm, I thought I was being quite exciting today. Sorry. Jeez, I'm pumped up. Sorry I don't raise to your standards. <laughs> okay, so David's alive. David's not afraid of dying because he's experiencing life. God is pouring life into him because he has simple faith. And then it goes on, then David said to the Philistine, you come at me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and I'll take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcass, the carcass to the camp of the Philistines, to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That's, why da- that's what David's concerned about. Then the, all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. David shows us what it means to not trust in self, but to trust in God alone, right? And his trusting in God led to new life for hi- hi- himself, but also for his family and his friends, you know? But death for the enemies of God. His faith led to many good things for his family and friends, but to the death of the enemies of God. And what does David say? He says that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. He also says that all Israel may know that there's a God in Israel. That's my own family. That, that I want my family to know this God that I know. I want my family to know. You guys thought you were dead, family. But no, you can be alive because God is alive. God is here with us. That's what he says. You got to know that there is a God alive in Israel. 
There's a God here. There's a God alive. There's a God alive in Israel. There's a God alive in me. There's a God alive in all the followers of Jesus. That's what people got to know. If we're going to make a difference in this world, it's got to be with simple faith so that people can know there is a God alive in Colorado. And he lives in us. Simple faith is always the path to new life or what we call resurrection life. You're like, this is the weirdest Easter sermon I've ever heard in my life. He hasn't even talked about Jesus rising from the dead. Turn to Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter, yeah, just wait. (laughs) Romans 6, verse 5, and we're going to read all the way through 11, but he says, for if we, you and me, guys, believers, have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Our God, okay, Jesus, he died on the cross, right? We watched the video. We saw it ourselves. But he wasn't alone when he died on the cross, okay? Because God united our sinful lives with him on the cross. God took them out of you the moment you believed in Christ and trusted in Christ. God took all your sinful life and threw it on him, nailed it on the cross in his body. And as his body died, your sin died with it. And what happens to dead things? They stay dead. They get buried and they stay there forever. There's literally no other rule that is more of a rule in this world than dead things stay dead. All dead things stay dead. Except Jesus. And when Jesus rose from the dead, it says, we certainly, we also will be united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. Which means when he rose from the dead, there was no sin there. The sin had died, and his new glorified body, his new life that God gave him is exactly what we get when we trust him with simple faith. He goes on, he says, Knowing this, our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe with simple faith that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, that he died, the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon, with simple faith, yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So Jesus dies to take all our sins away, And he says, I'm giving you a new life that you will live to God. And I don't have to worry about you falling into sin and becoming some, you know, you know, having sin dominate you because the life I pour into you wants nothing more than to serve God every day. That's what I'm going to give you. That's the deal I'm making. And how do we experience? He said twice. How do I experience this new life where all I want is Jesus and all I want to do is serve Jesus and all I want to do is live Jesus all day long? How do I get that? He said twice, believe and reckon. What do those things mean? Mary told us. David told us. You said it, you do it. That's what we do. 
That's all we do. You said it, you do it. Living for God is not something we can do on our own. Jesus says we can't do nothing without him, right? Living for God is nothing less than an entirely new life poured into our hearts and lives by Jesus, who is our God. And who does he pour this new life into? Whoever believes with simple faith. The heart that says, you said it, you do it. I'm going to trust you. Do what you said to me. Do it for me. I trust you. How does he pour this new life into me? By the Holy Spirit. Easy. Why does he pour this new life into me? So that the world can see that there is a God alive. The church has had one job ever since Jesus rose from the dead and the book of Acts filled us with what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been testifying of the resurrection of Jesus and everyone's been talking about the resurrection of Jesus, not saying, I saw him rise from the dead. They're saying, I'm alive from the dead. That's what the church is. We are people who are alive when we were dead. We can see when we were blind. We are found when we were lost. And that is the resurrection of Jesus that you get to experience today. In America, in Denver, the resurrection of Jesus today is just as powerful it was as it was to the 500 people who saw him at one time after his resurrection. Your life shows this life of Jesus as his fruits are produced in you. And you guys, as you spend time with Jesus and abide in him and his word, he causes you to be loving more than you were. He causes you to be patient and kind. He causes all these things in you. And then he says, now the world gets to see who I am because I've made you like me and my life is in you and we are one. And there is nothing better than that in the whole world. God is alive and God loves you. Amen? All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to stand up, we're going to sing a couple songs, and we are going to have communion. So any parents, this is an awesome time to uh, teach your kids what communion is all about, that by eating this uh, cracker and by uh, drinking this cup, um, we are believing what Jesus has done for us. We're accepting what Jesus has done to us into our life, just like eating and drinking. So everyone stand with me as we sing these songs, as we uh, render, we, we give our hearts to Jesus again. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we, uh, we hear these wonderful words about new life, and resurrection, and God, every single part and fiber in my being wants them to be true. And, and immediately I start thinking about what I can do to, uh, to, to experience this, what I can do to make it happen in my life, because God, I want nothing more than, to, than for you to live through me. And God, your word today has freed me from that pressure. Your word today has brought new life into my heart by simply believing in simple faith in you. That you said you would do it, and God, I trust that you will do it. 
Free me from every sin and every weight that entangles me, everything that, that, that distracts me from you and your glory and your presence. God, we need you more and more every day. Forgive us for how self-sufficient we become so quickly as we walk through this world. We need you to pick us up, wash us clean by your power and your might and your love. God, we need you every day more than we needed you before. And if there's anyone in here today who has never uh, acknowledged that Jesus is your Lord and has never asked Jesus to be your Savior, today is the day to call upon the Lord and be saved. Say, I am a sinner, and Jesus, I believe that your sacrifice on the cross paid the price for that sin, and I'm asking you to save me. You said it, you do it. Save me, Jesus. And that is all that is needed. And I pray that anyone in here or listening online, you would call upon the Lord today. Today is the day of salvation. And anyone in here who has just drifted and slipped away and forgotten about the wonderful life of Jesus Christ given to them, I pray today would be a day of repentance and renewing of heart. God, we need you so much. I pray for all the little kids in here today, even though they may not understand everything, I pray, Jesus, you, you desire them to come to you and you are delighted that they hear your love today. And I pray you would, you would save all our little ones. Our hearts are bound up with them and we pray that you would save them. Jesus, you are our life and we praise you forever and ever and we sing these songs out of grateful hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.